the College Planning Edge. Multiply your odds of getting into your dream college and get your hands on thousands of dollars of fat, juicy scholarships. Brought to you by Lockwood College Prep, helping college-bound families get the edge in college admissions, financial aid, scholarships, and test prep. This episode of the College Planning Edge was originally broadcast Monday, 9 a.m. on our Facebook show, which is College Coffee Talk. In this episode, we went through the latest and greatest Sweet 16 bracketology. I made some bold predictions based on the financial aid generosity of each of the schools that have made it to the Sweet 16 in the men's NCAA basketball tournament of 2022. More importantly... So it's not just a waste of time for you to listen to this. I discussed how you too can do your research and figure out which schools are more likely than others to be generous and so that you can predict your awards for the most part. And if you get an award that is not so great, maybe you'll have a ground for appealing that award. You know, each year, parents, when they when they get financial aid awards, so many parents are stunned and shocked and upset by what's there or what's not there in the financial aid award. But it doesn't have to be that way because if you know how to do the research ahead of time, you can gear your college list toward colleges that are more likely to be generous and you can avoid the ones that are likely to turn your March madness into March sadness. Thank you very much. So sit back, enjoy, and I hope you find this valuable. Sweet 16 edition. Hello, my sweet. Hello, my sweet. Sweet 16 plus. Not size, age, but not. I got. We're not doing that. Yeah, wow. We're just not going to go there. Here's cheers to you if you have a cup of coffee or something stronger. Simultaneous sip. Mmm. Lovely, lovely cup. Yes. Good. Need a nice cup today. So, Sweet Sixteen, March Madness, bracketology. That's what we're going to be talking about today, but from a financial aid standpoint, because. What a lot of people don't understand about financial aid in general is that you can look terrific on paper for financial aid or merit aid. So that could mean, for example, low income, low assets. You know, maybe there's things you've done to reposition your assets. That's something we specialize in. Or uh, your child can have very high grades and high scores. And you can apply to 10 schools and get 10 completely divergent, totally different results. And that stuns people every year. And it's not fair. Yeah. It, it, well, it's not fair. Um, but that's not, that's not wrong because the process is not designed to be fair. Right. So, so I thought to help illustrate that point, I'll give you some tips on how to, uh, how to research financial aid generosity by pulling out the old bracketology here. Harry, can you get a close up? Let me know if this is adequate. Is that Harry the intern? Harry the intern. Can you go to the other camera or something, or what are you doing? It's Zoom. Okay, fine. So I uh, filled out my uh, most of my Sweet 16 bracket here based on financial aid generosity, um, which may not result in uh, accurate an accurate prediction of wins. But... You know, who knew that St. Peter's was going to advance to the Sweet 16? They were like a number 15 seed. Never could Do you even know where they are, by the way, where St. Peter's lo- <laughs> is located? I had to look it up. St. Peter's. Everybody knows that. Russia? 
That's St. Petersburg. Oh. Uh, I don't know where it is. You got it's me. It's in Jersey City. Oh. And it's tiny. Oh, it's that St. Petersburg. Right. Not the, oh. not the St. Petersburg. The Jersey Russia. City St. Petersburg. Yeah, there's like, uh, like 2,000 something students there. There's like eight, 800. So like half, half, half the schools in the Sweet 16? What do you mean? They're playing. It's a joke because it's a small school. We didn't go over any of your jokes in the production meeting, so I'm I'm a little concerned here. So, all right. So I want to I want to uh, talk about the financial aid generosity of these teams. I'm not going to go through the whole bracket. Don't worry. But I want to give you some tips on how to not be upset or shocked when uh, your bracket get busted gets busted when you look at your financial aid awards. You're like, what the hell happened? So, let's go to the top of the bracket, shall we? Gonzaga. You know where they're located? Washington State. Very nice. They are a clear pick over Arkansas because Arkansas meets 84% of financial need, whereas Arkansas meets only a paltry 58%. Part of that is because one is private and one is a state-funded university, and those are typically less generous. Correct. So correct. (laughs) From the Dick Vitale of financial aid bracketology, Pearl Lockwood. Moving on to the other western region, which is out in San Francisco, crime-ridden San Francisco, apparently the most crime-ridden city in the, out of the top 25 in the, in the, uh, in the state, in the United States. Not really a financial aid company. And, and Just, one of the most expensive. Yeah. How ironic. So, well, maybe that's, no, it's not ironic. If you go where the money is, if you're a criminal. Right. Wouldn't, Especially wouldn't, if there are no laws anymore uh, preventing those criminals from getting at all that money, right? right. I mean, come are on. We, are we getting sidetracked? A little. All right. There Sorry. are laws. They're just not being enforced. Is that the problem? Yeah. So anyway, Duke, Texas Tech, come on. Who's going to win that one? Oh. Yeah. Duke meets 100% of financial need. I'm going to give you, you know, some more information on what all these terms actually, uh, what they mean. But Duke is, they have that huge tobacco endowment. They are the most generous school in the, uh, in the tournament and in the, in the country. So I'm picking them to go all the way. Coach K is swan song. And um, they give out a lot of money. So we'll take another closer look at that. And then you've got, uh, let's see here. North Carolina. See, this is deceptive. North Carolina and UCLA. They both claim to meet 100% of financial need also. But the question you should be asking is, how much longer am I going to be doing this joke? Well, the, the other question you should be asking is, how is that financial need met? Is it all free money? Is it loans? And that's a big difference from school to school as well. So in their case, because they're both state universities... They give out a lot of loans, whereas Duke and a lot of these elite private schools, so if any of the Ivies made the Sweet 16 or Stanford made the Sweet 16, any of these schools, they would all be top picks because they have a lot of free money to give out because they have these huge endowments. So that's why I'm picking Duke to go all the way. Purdue meets 78% of financial need over St. Peter's. So I'm going to have to say this is it for St. Peter's. So here's what I did. And I think this is a good exercise for anyone uh, who is interested in figuring out how much college is actually going to cost them. Because there's the sticker price, and then there is the net price. So every so first of all, you can go to every college's website and go on their net price calculator. 
and, and you plug in some information, that'll give you some idea of what these colleges uh, will actually cost you after you plug in your income, your savings, um, information, academic information about your kid, and all that. Another place you can look, which is what I did, is I went to the College Board website, and they have a section called Big Future, and, and I looked up um, St. Peter's, and I looked up Duke. So, you can get a lot of information that is relatively accurate. Everything you should you should do here, take it with a big grain of salt. Oh, yeah. But relatively accurately speaking, um, there's a breakdown of how much aid goes to people in certain income brackets. So if you make less than $30,000, if you make more than $110,000, you know, what, what's the average uh, award that goes? Or the average, the average net price, I should say. So for St. Peter's, which starts at a lower sticker price, um, if you make $110,000 and up, your average net price for this school is, what does that say, like 18 something? Yeah, it's low. Yeah, eighteen. Yeah, yeah. It's lower than the actual cost of attendance, which is um, in the fifties, I believe. Then you can look at the financial aid disclosures, and they claim that that sixty-seven um, percent of is that sixty? That's eighty-seven percent of uh, I should have should have enlarged this. Yeah, eighty-seven <laughs> percent of students receive financial aid, and their average percent of financial need met is 83%. And then to give you other information, like freshmen and all that, at, uh, what percent of freshmen got got awarded. And then there is information based on loans, uh, non-need-based aid, which is merit scholarships. There's a whole lot of information here, all available on Big Future, which is the page of the College Board, the section of the College Board website. So that, that is something worth checking out for each of the schools on your list. And when you turn to Duke, you can see that the average net price for people who make $110,000 and up is only $48,000 for a school that costs eighty. So there's a lot of discounting going up. Yeah. That's really my point. And in terms of their awards, 100% of need is met. 41% of students receive financial aid, which is kind of low. In most most schools, it's it's closer to um, uh, 75 percent, and the average package at Duke is fifty almost fifty seven thousand dollars, which is pretty big. Yeah. So, my point is that you don't have to be stunned when your financial aid packages come out. For the most part, I mean, even even if you do this research, you can still get get some squirrely you know results. But my point is, as you are formulating a college list and if money you know getting money from college is something that's important to you you know, one of your priorities don't make a list comprised of the saint peters of the world where you're unlikely to get a large amount of financial aid although right. they, to be fair they, they started a lower uh, amount yeah. and of the cinderella story this year so i don't want to pick on that <laughs> i'm not a hater of saint peters i like that guy with his porn stash Doug Edbert, <laughs> is that his name? Yeah, yeah he's awesome. That guy is, uh, is amazing. Never want to pick against the guy with the porn stash in the, in the tournament. Yeah, they were very it's, confident. It's an axiom, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, so what you have to understand about financial aid, though, is that a lot of it is um, subject to other factors than what's reported. So what I mean by that is um, a lot of schools will engage in what they call preferential packaging, which is hardly ever discussed. 
But preferential packaging is a real thing. And what, what it means basically is that e let's say two families look exactly the same, same income, same assets, you name it. Let's say the kids are basically similar, but one kid from one family has some sort of desirable um, attribute that is important to the, the college from an institutional standpoint. So these days, it could mean some sort of uh, evidence of diversity. It could mean um, he's a prodigy in some sort of you know sport or, or uh, artistic talent or something like that. Even if they're applying to an Ivy League school or um, a school that, that says they are need-blind, they only <laughs> care about your financial need, magically, almost in, every time, that kid with the special attributes, that family will receive more aid, even if the college yeah. claims that they are only need-based. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff that kind of goes on behind the scenes, and I'm trying to give you that peek behind the curtain here so you understand you know, how to handicap your chances of getting money and you're not stunned in a bad way um, when you get your awards. That is negotiating. Yeah. Right? So a lot of these schools are negotiable. You know, Duke wouldn't necessarily care about an award from St. Peter's, but they might care about an award from uh, Stanford, which is, was not in the tournament. Um, it's all about the tournament. Well, look, yeah. Um, yeah. it is. Uh, it's true. I'm just telling you, in terms of the negotiating, I had to go off bracket for that. Um, here's another pick, by the way, that no one should pay attention to Miami. 97% of financial need. They're a 10 seed. They made it to uh, they beat Sweet 16. number two, right? Yeah, they beat Auburn and Bruce Pearl, no relation to Pearl Lockwood. Um, <laughs> And they're going to face the Iowa State Cyclones, who I imagine meet something like 60 to 70% of financial, financial need, which is paltry. So I'm not picking them to kick Miami's ass at all. <laughs> even, at least, yeah, even though they're clearly a superior basketball team. But for, when it comes to financial aid, no way. You know, Providence over Kansas. You know, Providence College, like a lot of Jesuit schools. Yep. Like Gonzaga, like Villanova, uh, Boston College, Notre Dame. I don't know if they're all Jesuit, but you know the, the Catholic schools, the Holy Twelve. Um, they tend to be very generous too, so they, they could go um, a lot deeper in my fictitious, unrealistic bracket. And um, I'm intrigued by the Michigan Villanova matchup. Yep. Villanova claims to meet about 80% of need, but they give a lot of merit aid. I've seen them give a lot of scholarship money for, for our clients. And Michigan claims to meet 92% of need, but they hardly give our clients anything. Mm -hmm. Or us. <laughs> when we would get there. So, uh, ironically. A little bit. Lizzie's not watching, right? She always loves hearing my picks for, the, for, the, for March Madness. So, um, sometimes you have to look a little bit behind the numbers. Because the state schools, not only do they tend not to be so generous, but they also tend to favor in-state kids. So if Michigan meets 92% of need, that, that probably means that they're skewing, those numbers skew toward in-state residents, particularly lower income residents. And there's a lot of them at Michigan to offset the 80% uh, suckers from out of state who, who <laughs> pay full price, like, like present company included, yeah. They're probably like 50-50, 50% out of state, 50% in but state. But she's so happy. Yes. She's very, very happy. <laughs> and well-fed. And well-adorned with um, clothing. A lot of Michigan clothes. Yes. It's a year to be in Michigan. It is. I mean, yeah, after the, the football run and the, 
the Sweet 16. Sure. Yeah. So anyway, um, sometimes there's a story behind the numbers, when it, especially when it comes to state schools. So in general, the big state schools, the most elite ones, and so there's Michigan, there's University of Virginia, uh, University of Florida, um, what's the other public ivy? Texas is not really public ivy, but they're close. But those, those schools are very hard to get into. North Carolina. North Carolina, right. Um, I think Florida is probably the most generous out of all of those schools, and they give a lot of merit aid. So, so that's another thing to think about is if you're applying to an out-of-state state university, um, the need-based aid is probably not going to be there. Even if you're a super low income, you might get a federal Pell Grant, which is about 6000 bucks. I, I met with some clients last week whose kids got into a whole bunch of state schools, and they received the Pell Grants, but they received hardly anything else except mm -hmm. loans from the university's own funds, and they were, you know, sort of stunned also, and um, this is exactly why, because state schools just don't give money. Some of them give merit aid, though, right? So so a lot of these, um, like, like Florida, for some reason, this, I don't know why they're still doing this, because it seems like everyone's moving there, so they're getting um, so many applications in, they're accepting a lot of people, they're giving money. What's that program that they accept people into? There's the PACE that program? PACE, yeah, so then there's the... They're enrolling people. I mean, they must be making money here. Oh, yeah. Fist. And it's like, you start during the summer this week. Online. and then <laughs> Right. You start online during the summer. So it's not going to cost us anything extra to teach you. Um, and you're going to live in, you know, uh, apartments that are probably nicer than the dorms. Right. Yeah. Oh, definitely. So that's for, uh, that's a beautiful model if you're in University of Florida. Um, you know, a lot of the kids who aren't in the PACE program uh, are also taking online classes. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So... Anyway, um, but a lot of uh, out-of-state state universities give money, but a lot don't. So we, we constantly are comparing awards from UMass or Delaware, which do give money, and we're constantly seeing people get totally stiffed from like Penn State or Maryland. Yeah. Um, people get money from Vermont. Um, they get money from Clemson, South Carolina. Right? There's, there's a lot of schools that will give money, but they don't have the point is there are ways to prepare for this process so that you're not as blindsided if you do a little bit of homework beforehand, no different than um, sometimes I speak about off-campus housing and some people ask about getting funded for off-campus housing and finding out, well, how much of the loan would we get back from the government if we want to just do tuition at the school but we want to live off-campus it is not a direct switch, like whatever the on-campus housing expenses is the same as the off-campus housing allotment that they would give you. Um, so I encourage families to call the school in advance to know exactly what does that school give back to an, an off-campus housing situation if, if someone's borrowed the whole thing, because it varies tremendously bef between the schools and I encourage this phone call to be made before one goes shopping for apartments because you don't want to be blindsided that way by the off-campus housing expense that you may incorrectly assume you're just going to get reimbursed from a, from a loan. It may or may not happen that way. Um, something else that came up this week that reminded me of what you, you were, you know, covering all your bases or just being eyes wide open about this process. We had a client in the fall who was very concerned about submitting scores. Uh, don't want to submit the scores, SAT, ACT, don't want to submit it, not sure, not positive, okay, that's okay, 
But again, eyes wide open, what that will mean for your student at a school that has optional scores and a student chooses not to submit scores for whatever reason. Um, in that instance, so now flash forward, this, we're at the spring, the student was admitted to the school, had not submitted scores, and got no merit money. And now the parent is like, well, well, can we do anything about it? No, not really. No, because you gave something up by not enrolling, you know, by throwing your hat in the ring when you did not opt to submit your score. So you've taken yourself out of the running in that instance from being considered for merit aid. So you want to be careful when you're just choosing to opt in, opt out of testing. It, it's not always a helpful thing, especially if you, the student who's opted not to submit scores, are maybe not in a desired population of students that that institution is trying to recruit. Look, you got to plan ahead because your March madness, when you find out all these things, might be March sadness. <laughs> and we want to avoid that. Um, but, but the good news is you, you really can figure out probably 80 to 90% of this stuff long before, if, if you plan, right? Yes. Bottom line. Sure. And then there's the opportunity, potentially, which I mentioned before, to improve or negotiate your yes. awards. But even that requires some playing because you want to have you know schools on your list that you get into that, that compete with each other as opposed to schools that wouldn't care about each other's offer. So um, all this, all, the bottom line is your results are much better when you take action and you attempt to skew the odds in your favor. You can come up with a winning game plan, your X's and O's. And you want to plan. Coach K. And you want to plan for not just your, your wish scenario, you're, you want to plan for your worst case scenario, your best case scenario, your other in-between scenarios so that your bases are covered and you as the student has the choice on their side as opposed to you being chosen on or not chosen. This year, a lot of uh, worst case scenarios happened and they're not so bad in my opinion, but um, a lot of kids did not get into the schools that they had hoped that they were getting into. Happens every year, but I think this year was a little rougher. I think there were more, um, there's more attention paid to institutional goals again, like diversity and uh, low-income families and all that. It's not over yet because um, most most of the deferrals end in uh, yeah, yeah. By, by April first. That's that's when um, so everyone kind of finds out. But I'm going to predict that there will be a lot of scrambling around after May 1st. Yeah. Oh, I've noticed that already. I've had a lot of financial aid people even last ditch. Throw this school and throw that school and throw this school and throw that school in. Um, May 1st is when the housing deposits go in and the colleges behind the scenes are going to be watching those very, very closely. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be a lot of movement off of the wait list and the deferrals. Because colleges are having a really hard time, uh, not necessarily you know, the Dukes and the top tier of schools, but the, the ones that are a little bit below and a little bit below that, they're very nervous about their yield, which right. is the ratio of kids who are admitted to actually who put in deposits and, and show up. That's right. So a good yield in a normal year for a lot of, you know, sort of competitive but not super top schools, maybe around 30%. Um, 
there's talk this year of that number being around 10 to 15 percent, mm. mostly because of all the test optional policies that allowed more applications to come in. So like Northeastern University, which which never makes a tournament, um, <laughs> maybe hockey. Uh, they, um, you know, they were renowned in in uh, admissions circles for getting a huge influx of applications every year because of all the marketing they do. It used to be 50,000, 60,000. Supposedly this year they got, I think someone told me 80 or, or 100,000. I think it was 80,000 applications. They don't have more spots. You know, they only have about 4,000 spots to, to admit kids. Plus all the other programs. You know, they go to London, go to uh, France, all those uh, all those way stations, <laughs> which most kids don't want to do. It sounds pretty good to me. But um, they're gaming the system, too. I mean, they, they have their own oh, game, yeah. game plans, That's right. these colleges. You need to have yours because they have theirs. Talk about um, what's happened with some of the wait list, what, what question they've asked students when they've been put on wait lists to well, continue it, to stay on that wait list, where they have, to some, they have to articulate sometimes that if they get in off that wait list, right? Um, I think you're talking about, they'll what say, uh, if we let you off the wait list... Will you come? You so we'll let you off if you if you convert basically like an early, early decision, decision. exactly. Yeah. yeah, which is a new thing we've seen this year and last year, maybe in terms of really trying schools trying to protect that yield and trying to force a decision, you know, from some kids that they weren't admitting right off the bat, and they may have a spot for them, but they're not going to do so until they know it's a sure thing. It's a real pressure tactic. It is. It sure is. Not just you know buzzer beater, you know, class counting down pressure, but it's, but it's like buying a used car pressure. You're so on theme. What, what's it going to take to get you to drive off the lot today in this car? Uh, I don't like purple. What's it going to take? <laughs> I mean, you know, so, For you to start seeing this as fuchsia. Yeah. So don't, don't be prepared. Uh, don't be surprised if you see some of these tactics or, or you haven't already seen them. Fuchsia is just as gross. <laughs> okay. All right. Any, uh, if you have any questions and you want to lob them in here, um, lob, then uh, put them in either live or on, on replay if you're watching. Um, otherwise, I'm going to go change it to something more business appropriate. You already look great. Thanks. Okay. I mean, it would be business appropriate if I were like... A coach? Yeah. Not even. College student, <laughs> maybe. Right, well, at least um, it's relevant. So thanks for joining us this week on College Coffee Talk. Have a great rest of the week. And you know how to reach us if you have any questions about anything we talked about, researching financial aid or college admissions, help with essays, uh, tutoring, test prep. All that's, that's all what we do. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the College Planning Edge podcast. For more information about our Inner Circle Group Coaching Membership, which is a great way to dip your toes in the water of the whole college planning morass, um, and get access to our double secret software, College Guru software that helps you create a strategic list of colleges and identify fat, juicy, merit aid and need-based aid opportunities as well as some other benefits, check out the Lockwood Inner Circle at lockwoodinnercircle.com and use the coupon code PODCAST for 50% off the first month's membership. Thanks for listening.